0: Pressure. Drops. Thibodeau. All he did was almost record double-digit sacks. Steps up in the pocket and goes down. Guess who? Aiden Hutchinson. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent. Now Willis taking a shot for the
1: end zone and it's caught.
0: First of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may even be gone by the time they pick it 50.
1: Injected in my veins. I need every ounce of this. It's officially draft month. I know we've been talking about the draft constantly, but it's April, which means we are in the month of the NFL draft, and this is First Draft. I'm Jason Fitz in for Field Yates, obviously, and uh, we're going to get to a lot of expertise if you're just watching for the first time. You can watch us every time, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You can watch us live on YouTube, Twitter, in the ESPN app, or you can go watch it on YouTube whenever you want. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as much as you love looking at my beautiful face and getting it caught up, we're going to bring in some expertise to help you along the way. For that, as always, you know where we're going. We're going to go to Mel Kiper and Tom McShay, and they're going to join me now as we get everything you need to know gentlemen first and foremost uh, I love hanging out with you guys have you missed me as much as I've missed you because I feel like Mel this is just it's a good old family reunion I haven't gotten to do this with you for a few weeks it's kind of an upgrade from field right I'll tell you, I'll be mean, hanging out in Nashville with you
0: maybe this summer if we get down there. Uh, Jason, that'll be fun, Todd. And to get down there, see Rex Ryan, a good friend down there as well. Nashville's a uh, happening in place, and it's, it's no surprise that uh, Jason Fitz is, is making that his home, uh, what, maybe a little, uh, maybe 20% of the year, I guess, yeah, Jason, yeah. is what you would say now? You know,
1: but the, the the rest of the time, I get to hang out with you guys. Now, we're going to get into Don't a lot get of up, Don't <laughs> get your
2: hopes up, Fitz. Don't get your hopes up. Kuiper's the king of empty promises. Hey, every year I'm going to come to Boston and visit you. Let's <laughs> go to a Red Sox game. I can't get Kuiper out of his compound. The Kuiper compound is where I'm you're going to find I'm still waiting for the invite. Is it, is it lost, no in, the exactly yes, lost in
1: the mail? We're going to figure out exactly how this all comes officially. together. <laughs> in Vegas, we're all going to be in Vegas. So we're just going to see which one of you guys hits me up yeah. since we're all going to be there. Uh, we've got a lot to get into today. Obviously tomorrow there's a two-round mock draft coming out on ESPN Plus from Todd. So we're going to get some of the thoughts on that. Plus, we're going to dive into the, the Patriots trade for Devontae Parker, how it impacts both teams. And Mel's going to empty the bucket on some guys he's had on his, his eye on lately. But we'll start with that day two prospect portion of this. So, Todd, you've just done this. It'll be up on ESPN+. Plus. We're, we're going to give it some love here, get to know some names, not in the top ten, but instead some names we'll be seeing on Friday. Let's start with you, Todd. Who's, who's popping to you?
2: Quay Walker, the linebacker from Georgia, and it's – you know, I liked him on tape. I really did and, and gave him a second-round grade. And this time of year, now the book is printed today, the NFL draft book, 423 evaluations. Now it's time to talk to guys in the league as they're starting to set their boards and have their final meetings. And I keep hearing this guy's name come up, Quay Walker. We all talk about Nicobe Dean. I like Dean more than Walker. But when I talk to teams, some teams say the potential for Walker to be a better pro is there. He's longer. He's got these six three and a half. 241 pounds, six, uh, 32 and 5-inch arms, and he plays fast. Not as, he doesn't play as fast as Nicobe Dean, and Dean didn't run a 40-yard dash, but he ran a 4-5-2, Quay Walker did. So this is a player that's ascending not only in terms of his play, playing ability and how teams think he's going to be as a rookie and moving forward, but there are, he's ascending on teams' boards. And I think that's interesting to hear. I had several teams, Kuiper, and I'm interested to hear what you say. Several teams say, you know, it's kind of it's kind of here or there. We're really struggling in our meetings to figure out whether we like Dean or Walker as our first linebacker in this class, or basically going between the two with Devin Lloyd from Utah in the mix as well.
0: I'm struggling, Todd, with the Georgia defensive players. A lot of they're hard to evaluate. Mm-hmm. They're hard to project to the NFL. I don't know what you're. I'm going to do a, a segment. Off script later on on the toughest guys to evaluate, which means you throw your arms up and say, Mm -hmm. "I just don't know." Now I can't. I just don't know for sure. A lot of them are Georgia players, Todd. I want to just get your feeling. Are you confident in a Trayvon Walker? Doesn't use his hands yet effectively. Can he be coached up? His quickness inside shows. He's more disruptive inside for me. Do you maximize his potential by finding a spot? Do you move him around like they did at Georgia? Can uh, Can uh, Trayvon Walker? maximize that ability. You see the run blitzes on, on Quay Walker. You see the talent. Can you fit him into a spot? I'm going to talk about Channing Tindall, who's like is a little bit underrated. Devontae Wyatt, I think, may be a more disruptive defensive tackle than Jordan Davis, who everybody loves now. But is the stamina going to improve? Is he going to be on the field enough? Is he going to be disruptive enough against the pass? Getting after the quarterback. Do you get him with a team who has a lot of edge guys like the Rams did, which made Ashawn Robinson really good? I think it's going to be really fun to see. Two, three years from now, where all these Georgia defensive players are in terms of just how good they are once they're in the National Football
2: League. Yeah, I think David, Davis versus Wyatt is fascinating. And it really depends on the team and kind of what they're looking for. But every team I've talked to says, yeah, the talent's there with, with Jordan Davis. I mean, 341 pounds running a 4.78 in the 40-yard dash, 10-foot, 3-inch broad, which is just, like, it's, it's mind-blowing. Like, it, it, it defies physics what he did. But can he stay at two, 341 pounds or is he going to be at 365 and you're going to spend the whole year putting your thumb on him trying to keep his weight in check? And that's the issue because if he's 360 plus. He's a 20 to 25 snap guy. And I've, I think that I've seen it on tape. I know you've seen that on tape, Mel, and everyone in the league seems to agree. But if you keep him around 335, 340 and he gets committed to it. He can be a 40 snap guy and he can be more impactful and not just versus the run, but in the passing game. So in and, and Wyatt on tape is the more consistently disruptive player, 50, 60 snaps per game out there, pass rush, you know, not great stats in terms of sacks, but more disruptive as a pass rusher, more disruptive versus the run and on the field more. But then there's some of the character issues that are all, all the teams I've talked to are concerned with and could drop him to the late first or early second round range. So, that, that debate and then Quay Walker versus N'Kobe Dean is, is realistic. It's really happening in NFL tr- teams' draft rooms right now. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the draft and, more importantly, how it, how it affects their careers and how, what winds up being the case with all four of those players.
1: It raises some interesting questions, not only about the individuals, but how you scout a defense that has so many talented players on it, how that will impact all mm-hmm. of them across the board. Mel, who do you have on your list uh, next up? Well, I think when you look at
0: players in terms of guys that are really looking good right now and the guys that are skyrocketing up boards, I think you go to the pass rushers and you go to the guys like Jermaine Johnson, the second out of Florida State, who, Todd, every time you talk to people in the league, they say top 10 guaranteed, the production on the field, matched the workout numbers. Granted, it was for one season. That's the thing. You get the one-year guys as opposed to the guys that have done it for two or three years. The transfer comes in, sets the world on fire, but it's one great year. But I do think a Jermaine Johnson, the second, Todd, for me, is a guy that is rock, has has been rocketing up to the point where now you almost say if he gets out
2: of the top ten, it would be a shocker. Yeah, and I'll give you another guy, Mel. That's really interesting. Travis Jones from Connecticut, and I, I like to talk about these guys in terms of second round players, where you're getting a lot of different information from teams coming out of Connecticut. His tape, the best word I can use was frustrating, because you see the talent and you see flashes. But it was up and down in terms of the production, in terms of the, just the overall play. Is he gonna develop with, with more coaching and more t- time spent on his craft into the player that his measurables and the flashes indicate that he can be? You're talking about 6'4, mm-hmm. 325 pounds, 34 and a quarter inch arms, and he ran a 4'9'2. I mean, this guy is quick, he's athletic, he's long, he's everything you look for in a defensive tackle. I've had some teams say, hey, he could go late first. I've had some other teams say, well, you know, kind of mid-second, late-second, just because the tape was so frustrating. But I think Travis Jones, when it's all said and done, is going to be somewhere in the top 40 to 45 picks in this year's class. And he's a a name to know. We talked so much about the Georgia guys. We just talked about them again, Uh, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. But I think after those two, it's going to be Travis Jones – being the next interior defensive lineman that comes off the board.
1: When you talk about things we always talk about, wide receivers are on everybody's mind. Mel, what are your thoughts on Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan? Love the kid. Uh, I've mentioned his name a lot. I love the fact you go back to high school and you get a quarterback and a defensive
0: back and a point guard on the hardwood in basketball. Then you go there and you produce and you put the kind of numbers up he did this past year, which were phenomenal. Same school Greg Jennings came out of. You know, the career Greg Jennings had in the NFL. You think about Sky Moore in terms of the stiff arm, the breaking tackles. A little Steve Smith you see in Sky Moore at Western Michigan. Incredibly explosive. Consistent catching the football. Yards after catch, he was dynamic. Love everything about this kid. And you say, okay, where's he going to go? Second round. When well, we look back three, four years, ten years, from now, I say, why was Sky Moore a second-round pick, not a first-round pick? The Mid-American Conference, yeah, but hey, how about Pitt? Pitt Panthers, he had 11 catches, okay? So, again, nobody slowed this guy down. After the catch, like I said, he's phenomenal. I love the aggressiveness, the toughness, that Steve Smith quality that he brings. Sky Moore to me, phenomenal player. And then I'll go to a couple guys, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. He's an offensive tackle. Todd, you know all about Tyler Smith. And by the way, happy birthday, Tyler. He just turned 21 years of age yesterday. Tyler Smith, still raw. Hand placement's an issue. Obviously, pass protection's an issue. A lot of these issues are correctable by a quality offensive line coach. So I think Tyler Smith from Tulsa, when you look at where he's going to go, I thought he could go late first. Maybe second round. You get a kid who I think in a few years, if he's coached properly, could be a really good tackle. Guard as well. Played both guard and tackle in high school. His nastiness, his aggressiveness, his toughness is Trevor Penning-like. These two guys were fun to watch, entertaining to watch, because they attack, they attack, they attack. Fundamentally, Technically, he needs to improve, and that's coaching. And then we get to Todd, the guy that you were giving me a lot of grief about, and Fitz, he was giving me this all year about I overrated this guy. It was a Kuiper <laughs> stunt. It's what Kuiper does every year to me, and he's going to trend him back. He's going to move him back, and then he's going to, by the time we get to April— Arnold Epikete, Todd, still remains to me one of the guys I like. I I think he's deserving of being in a lot of these first-round mocks. He's deserving of being a guy that you think is one of the best 35 players in this draft. Nine-and-a-half sacks off the edge, 18 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. James Franklin loved the fact that he came in From Temple. And he showed, like, I've been here for three years. He came in humble, ready to work. He got that locker room right away. Went on that practice field and worked hard. Arnold Ebiket, he has the mind, the makeup, the mindset, the physical and athletic ability is there. The production this year and at Temple was pretty good. It was great at Penn State this year. I think when you look at an outside backer getting off the edge who provides some versatility, okay, Arnold Ebequette, to me, is the guy, if he gets into the second round, Todd, uh, I think he's a heck of a pick. It could be a late one, but I still really like what Arnold Ebequette will bring to a defense in terms of getting after the quarterback.
2: No player in the history of the first draft podcast has been talked about more than Arnold Ebequette as the number 33 player in this draft class. I said (laughs) all along, you bumped him up to 17. Kuiper Stunt, you're going to back him off. Now you're saying top 40, top 35. I got it. You're doing exactly what I predicted, and I appreciate you for that, Mel. <laughs> I'll give you another nugget, by the way. You talked about that big game Sky Moore had against Pittsburgh. He didn't get an offer from Pittsburgh. His girlfriend's a cheerleader on the Pittsburgh team. Of course he was going to show out in that game. I love Sky Moore as well, and he's definitely moving up. He, I don't think he goes late first, but he's going to go somewhere in the first 10, 12 picks of the second round. Now, on to a, a final guy for me in terms of second round. I just finished the, the Mach 4.0, which is two rounds. And I had this guy coming off the board probably a little bit earlier than you would think. I had him going 47 to the commanders. And it's Roger McCreary, the cornerback from Auburn. And he's, he's tough. He's a conundrum of a, of a scouting evaluation because he's got average size. He's got the shortest arms of any defensive back that was at the combine this year, 28 and 7 eighths inches. And the speed was just average, four or five. So what do you say a corner? Probably the two most important numbers for any position are arm length combined with speed at the cornerback position. He he shows up with a below average to poor grade in that area. But this dude can cover. He's a press man corner. He's going up against Alabama. Had an awesome night against the Crimson Tide. John Mechie uh, really battled Mechie a lot in that game. Uh, Williams as well on the opposite side at times. But – To me, McCreary is one of the most seasoned veteran corners and so instinctive and quick in the short area. I know the short arms and I know the lack of elite speed, but McCreary is is one of those guys, I think, in that early mid-second round range with so many teams needing a corner could wind up coming off the board despite all the other measurable issues.
1: It's interesting as you guys break down all of these prospects, it speaks to the depth at certain positions in this year's draft because you've got, you've got guys on the defensive line. You've got wide receivers. We're talking about guys that are particularly in deep positions that can still make an impact. Mel, who else is on your mind that you want to throw out there that we should keep an eye on? couple versatile linebackers. I think you look at Channing Tindall
0: at Georgia, the underrated guy on that Georgia Bulldog defense. I've mentioned his name before. Troy Anderson, Todd, has talked about at Montana State. you got to like the kid. I talk about versatility. He's ultimate in terms of that. And then Marcus Jones, a cornerback, when we get past the Elite Three, okay, that would be... Right now, Sauce Gardner, Dalek Stingley Jr., LSU, and then McDuffie from Washington. There's a lot of mixed opinion. And then you get maybe that third tier, and you say, Marcus Jones, he's just a great return man. He's a good cover guy. I tell you, you think about a guy 5'8", but a kid who can really get in your face. He's aggressive. He's quick. He's got the hands, the concentration you talk about in coverage. He comes down with interceptions. I always say a dropped interception is a turnover against you. He had, what, nine career interceptions. His interception passes at Troy. He's doing it at Houston with five. This past year, he's got pick sixes. He's got uh, six kick return touchdowns, three punt return touchdowns, in his career both at Troy and Houston combined. Marcus Jones, a lot to like about this kid. I think maybe I love that I mean, pick right I'll there. Ask you, Todd, does he get into your third round or did he go in round two of your mock? I mean, at least let that that uh, information be known because I I want to know was he a two or was he a
2: three in your mock draft? He was the next corner up. He didn't make in the first two rounds. I think he's a lock to go in round three. Yes, he's undersized. Talk to the people at Houston. I don't know if you've talked to any, anyone in the staff at Houston, Mel. Jones is considered like the energy of the whole program. He has been for the last couple of years. Just the way he practices, everything he does. They say like he runs in and out of the locker room. He runs the class. He's just always on the move, and that's infectious. The return game, he's special. That Memphis game was the first tape I studied. We just saw the interceptions. He had two picks in that game. The one at the end was kind of a Hail Mary where he was just in the good, right position. But the one catch with his, you know, one arm, hand up, palms it in and, and, and gets the interception, gets a bigger receiver, contested catch. Really impressive. His, he's going to have some busts and he's going to have a little bit of a roller coaster early on because he's still, I think, learning the cornerback position with his footwork and technique. But I don't know that there are many guys in this class that have a better combination of quickness and speed than Jones does.
1: Yeah, especially with the need for corner depth across the NFL. It just feels like this is the sort of thing, if he falls to the top of the third, Look out for trades, people trying to get up and get their flavor of ice cream. Anybody else on your minds? Is are, are, are we are we good? I gotta pay Fields exorbitant salary for this show. But before we get there, anything anybody else you want to throw out? Last chance, gentlemen. I'm good. Okay, we're good. Let's uh let's move along then. Obviously, support for first draft and the following message comes to you from Supercuts. Let's face it. Life is busy between work and family and more work, our to-do list. Have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times so you know exactly what you're in for. Who doesn't love that? That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, It's always super solid, thanks to Supercuts, highly trained specialists. Get in, get out, get that thing you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding or just need some upkeep, Supercuts makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut, it's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or in Supercuts.com. First draft, also brought to you by St. Bonaventure. The NFL draft almost here. Draft gurus predicting who will be this year's hottest picks. They're doing what they love. But isn't isn't it time to start doing what you love? Sports journalists anticipate a play before it happens. They foresee opportunities and know when to act on them. Even understanding how to talk to players is an acquired skill. St. Bonaventure University will give you the confidence you need. Their 100% online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism is guided by an alumni advisory board who holds top jobs in the country's largest media organizations. Become a modern-day sports journalist and create inspiring stories based on the best journalistic practices. Learn a variety of digital skills like social media storytelling, podcasting, and mobile experiences. St. Bonaventure's online course is designed flexibly to work around your current schedule. In just a year and a half, you too could be covering professional sports like all of us here at ESPN, with no application fee or GMAT required, what's stopping you from t- talking to an enrollment advisor a day? And today, visit SBUJournalism.com to find out more. That's SBUJournalism.com. All right, guys. Not only did the Patriots give Devontae Park, get Devontae Parker from Miami, they found their way back into the fifth round. It's like the weekly thing. What big trade are we going to see and how does it involve draft capital? So they received, the Patriots received Devontae Parker uh, and a 2022 fifth round pick. So now they find themselves back into this. Mel, what was your reaction to the trade?
0: Yeah, not shocked. Uh, I think that you know Bill Belichick knows what they need there. I mean, Mac Jones late in the year hit a little bit of a wall. You got to get him targets. You got him, guys, got weapons. He'll put the ball on you. Max accuracy is unbelievable. It's, I mean, he 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 can hit the bullseye, okay? He can put the ball on the receiver. Devontae Parker needs to maximize that ability on a consistent basis. He had, he had some great moments, but kind of leveled off. So I think he stay on the field for 16 games provide Mac Jones a weapon in that passing game where they're lacking. I still think at 21, you draft a receiver. Obviously, corner, they've addressed a little bit. Could go that route as well. But take advantage of the depth at this position. Get two receivers out of this draft. to Go along with Parker. New England Todd and Vince is in a tough spot. I mean, they are looking at a division now with, I think, the Jets ascending. If Zach Wilson moves up from where he was and keeps uh, developing last three games, he didn't throw an interception. Think about where Buffalo is. They're solid as a rock with their superstar quarterback. And Miami's done everything to make Tua a great quarterback there. Will Tua be great? We'll see. But they're doing everything they can, Todd, around him. New England needs to have a strong draft because, uh, you know, change with Josh McDaniels now in Las Vegas. Uh, and you got teams I think are going to get better. Uh, will the Patriots, you know, climb up and remain there where they have been and where they were with Mac Jones until Buffalo proved how much better they are. So I think it's going to be a, a very, very critical draft for the Patriots. Adding Parker is good, but they got to get one or two receivers in this draft, and I think one at 21 when they pick there. And Do they move? Do they get Jamison Williams? What happens there, Todd? It's going to be fun to see how the Patriots attack this draft.
2: Mel, I don't know about you, but this screamed to me that the Dolphins organization is telling Tua Tungabailoa, hey, bud, this is a one-year tryout. you got one year to figure this thing out. We brought in Teron Armstead. We brought in Connor Williams to protect you up front. That was an issue. We brought in Tyreek Hill. Massive deal. Fastest player in the NFL to go along with to go along with uh, Jalen Waddle. We got Mike Geseki at tight end. We got um, Mostert at, at the running back position, along with Chase Edmonds. Who they brought in. I mean, they have speed. For, they might have the fastest team in terms of offensive skill players in the entire NFL. And so now, when you look at this, the Dolphins have five picks in the first three rounds, including two first rounders next year. And we all know what's waiting: Bryce Young, Alabama. And C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, Tua Tungavailoa has one year to prove that he's the guy moving forward, or else the Dolphins are going to package these picks, move up, and go get one of those top quarterbacks next year. Yeah, I think that's a really strong
1: point, Todd, because look at the Dolphins draft capital. We've got it up on the, sh- on the screen. It's almost like they're mailing in this year's draft and saying, forget it. We'll wait to see. The team that we have today for the Dolphins is the team this team is likely to be mostly come uh, opening day of the season. So, you know, Mel, to Todd's point, it looks like the Dolphins have gone in to position themselves. It's almost like a safety net. No matter what happens this year, if it works out that is great and everybody grows, they have capital and they can use that however they choose to move into the future or – if they don't get what they need out of Tua, they might be in the most aggressive position to be able to move up and get whoever they need.
0: Yeah, the pressure on these teams and the AFC in particular with, with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and go. Now you add qu- uh, quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to emerge. We talked about him as a generational talent in Jacksonville. Now they're doing some things necessary to help him out, getting more stability hopefully in the organization with the coaching there. And hopefully they're not changing every year. So I think there's the AFC in general is pressuring everybody to try to keep up. And like Todd said, I think it's accurate. This is Tua's year. Everything's in place. He's two years now removed from any of those injuries that could affect arm strength. And everything about to and now screams, this is your year. And that's the way this league is now. This league's not patient any longer. They've been patient enough. And they feel like this is the year, and you got to you got to do it. You got to uh, you got to deliver. And uh, Josh Allen did it in Buffalo. Justin Herbert did it with the Chargers. And now all of a sudden, the young quarterbacks were waiting on. And Lamar Jackson. Let's face it, this is a critical year for Lamar in Baltimore as well. Joe Burrow. You get all the great quarterbacks. You got now you have Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. This AFC. Is unbelievable. And like I say, Miami's one of many teams. Like I said before, there's going to be a lot of fan bases very disappointed because only one of these teams from the AFC is getting to the Super Bowl. And every year, they're going to be probably knocking each other off. So it's going to be really tough on these organizations because they're going to be screaming, win, win big, and only
1: one team can do it. It feels like, to your point, Mel, there's only one one or two ways for every organization to go right now. You're either going all in or you're deciding that you're going to go in in three years because so many of the quarterbacks you just mentioned in the AFC particularly are young, so it's not like we're going to wait for those guys to age out. Teams are going to have to figure out how to compete today and how to build for the future. In the meantime, we know on this show that there's one thing that we all need, and that's Mel going off script. Mel, the floor is yours, my friend. What was it like to get off your chest?
0: Hey, Todd, Todd, Todd stole a little bit of the thunder with a couple of guys Guys, which I'll get to at the end here. But these are guys that we evaluate and we evaluate and we evaluate and we still don't know what the heck we're looking at, okay? These are guys we say we, we're not sure. We don't know. Is it going to be a great pro? Is it going to be a disappointment? You throw your hands up and say, I've seen enough. I just don't know. And there are always guys like that. You don't really feel comfortable with the grade you give them. You don't really feel you. Now, we're going to be right and wrong on guys we're strong about. We always are. But these are guys we just aren't sure about. Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback Clemson. I thought this year was going to be his year to be locked down. It wasn't. He was up and down in terms of coverage. He, yeah, this is a guy with enormous talent, and he's tough. He's aggressive. He'll come up and hit you, okay? Talent off the charts. I'm not sure about Andrew Booth Jr. He was a tough evaluation for me. Todd mentioned Trayvon Walker, Georgia. I already talked about why he's a question marking those Georgia guys. How about another player, Boye Mathé? Minnesota. I'm watching him against some bad teams get sacks. I'm watching him against Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin do nothing. Okay. So again, senior boy's coming off the edge. What are you doing with Boye Mafe here? Then you look at a guy like Kair Elam at Florida. He's got, well, looks the part, a little handsy for me. Okay. Roger McCrary, Auburn, Todd talked about. Yeah. Is he a slot corner? Is he quick enough? Does he recover enough wide? which I saw questions when he was beating deep some. Some guys got him down at the goal line because they were quicker than he was, Mechie third being one of those that got him. Uh, you know, Roger McCrary going into the year looked like a first-rounder. This year there were some inconsistencies and a lot, the lack of length, the lack of got great recovery ability. When you don't have length, it's, you have the long arms, you can recover and break a pass up where instead it goes for a touchdown. Roger McCrary, a tough evaluation. want to go to one other guy. That to me is really interesting. Is Tariq Woolen? I'm going down the list. He's a corner from Texas, San Antonio, former wide receiver. Yeah, there was some some games where you say, "Wow, uh, yeah, that's not going to translate." But he needs coaching. He needs more experience. The talent's there. You got to wait on him just a bit. Tariq Woolen out of Texas, San Antonio. So those are some of the guys that I'm sitting here saying, "Boy, I do not have a strong conviction on what type of pro they will become."
2: Yeah, I'll throw a couple other names out there that, that I've, I've heard just talking to guys in the league. It's always interesting. You, know, you have, have these conversations, you go, go through position groups, and, and I'll say, well, I, I like this guy here. And it's like, well, wow. no, I had more of a third, fourth round grade after I said he had a second. You know, George Pickens, another Georgia player, the wide receiver, teams are all over the place. I've heard so, one team said earlier in the process, you know, he may sneak into the, the late first. He's fast. He's explosive. Coming off the injury last year, couldn't really perform you know, late in the season, had a, a big play here and there. But when he's healthy, he's explosive. I mean, he's as, as explosive as any receiver in this class, I would say, outside of Jamison Williams. But is the consistency there, and, and does he understand the game at this point in his career the way he should? Those are the questions. So I've heard late first, early second. I personally think he's going to be in that mid-late second-round range. But I had other teams say, you know what, we – It's too rich for our blood. With all the question marks, he could be a third-round prospect. The other guy is Nick Cross from Maryland, your backyard, Kite. Bigger guy, great workout numbers, explosive workout numbers. Some teams just don't know about him in terms of where he is as a football player. The consistency and coverage was the question I got a lot. And I had one team say, well, we got him in the fourth-round range. Another team said he could go somewhere in the middle of the second – Another team I talked to said yeah, we got them solidly in the third. So when you talk about three rounds for a player based on three conversations with different teams, that's a pretty wide net to be cast on, on one single player. No question. And I think there's a lot of those guys. And I'll go back to
0: what you said about the Georgia, and we had discussed that a lot, the Georgia Bulldog defensive players. But then you get into the guys that you may have to just say, it's up to our coaches. And I think guys like Boye Maffe, certainly. A Tyler Smith at yes, Tulsa. Absolutely. What type of coaching do they receive once they get in? Like I always say, a guy told me a long time ago, Todd, you have coach before your name for a reason. Don't get expect finished products. Earn your salary. Coach them up. And there are a lot of guys in this draft that need exactly that. Trevor Penning at Northern Iowa is a perfect example of that. The bend is not there right now. The coaching, overextending, lunging, going forward, trying to be too aggressive. It's not going to work in the NFL. Trayvon Walker, hand usage. Teach Trayvon Walker. Use those hands. Maximize all that great talent. If all these guys are coached properly, and I go to Tyler Smith, correctable. Things that he's doing on the offensive line at talk, correctable with coaching. So we have to see. We always blame the scouts, Todd. They'll say McShay blew it, Kuyper blew it, everybody blew it. No, the coaches blew it. We, we, we never hear that. It's always on the players. Who cost the Buffalo Bills a chance? It was Sean McDermott. Wasn't, it co- wasn't any players. Okay, Let's blame coaches when they're supposed to be blamed because we always want to blame the players.
1: I think Mel actually makes an interesting point there when you when you think about the conversation we have about quarterbacks so often is that it's not just the quarterback. It's where do they go? What's the system? How are they coached? We we accept that nuance at that one position, but oftentimes we overlook it at all of the other positions. And The more guys I've worked with here at ESPN that used to play in the league that have said, hey, players, there, there's not this huge difference for so many of these players. There is, in the situation they end up with, their ability to perform in those systems. It all It's all part of the factor. Uh, but it's part of the reason I can sit in this chair and still look like I know what I'm talking about, because I got two smart guys hanging out with me. This show is back on Thursday. Uh, we'll, we'll see. By then, McShay's going to have plenty of time to defend his mock. Mel will have plenty to say about it. I'm sure also trying to lock in. It looks like Jordan Reed and Matt Miller will give us some more specifics to each team and what they're going to be having. So be sure to check that out. And as always, we appreciate you for hanging out with us right here. Come back for this show again next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. For Mel, for Todd, I'm Jason Fitz. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes. And thank you for checking us out this week and every week.